Doubt all Chet. Echoes. It was mid-afternoon on the fourth day since the departure of the company. The Lord Tinan of the island of Peguila sat in his tent at the riverside camp, making his last preparations to leave. He was a noble man of noble descent. His father had been a lord of Peguila before him, and now here he was. Peguila was a large island some leagues off the northern cliffs. Although the territory was considered part of Vemar, Peguila had always had its own government, whose lords were in essence representatives of the king of Vemar, and Lord Tinan took his position seriously. He had been called to the mainland nigh on three weeks ago. King Radial had called all the lords of his land into a council in which they determined their course of action. The discussion had been long and tiresome, but it was finally agreed that an encampment would be made by the Xandar, and that a host of about forty men should camp there and make preparations to cross the river. As a war hero and skilled commander, Tinan had volunteered to oversee the camp and its action. Four days, he had said, and they were up. He would leave. He had not expected them to be back this soon, certainly not without horses, but all the same he was saddened. Grasping the cord of his saddle, he swung his leg up and over the horse's back. He sat upon the horse boldly, the wind in his hair, a blue cloak billowing. The sky was gray, his eyes were troubled. Several men approached. "'Our well-wishes, sir,' he said. "'The men will be grieved to see thou depart.' Tinan nodded. "'Keep strong,' he said, he spoke. "'And should the footmen return, give them food, rest, and lodgings.' The men nodded, and with that Tinan urged the horse forward, and he was soon lost, a glimmering figure of light out over the open plain. "'There goes a man of great worth,' spoke the men, and they receded back into the riverside camp. The sky was cold and gray. The mountains were gray. The rocks beneath their feet were gray. All was a dull blur in the eyes of the footmen. They struggled up the mountain slope. Wildfin, light-footed and fast, was in front, almost at the top of the rocky slope. Behind him was Keyleth, and the rest of the men followed. Tavan and Pan were side by side, their feet grinding on the sliding earth, trying to find grip. Sandar and Boone, the Calliopean, were behind them, struggling. Hands held onto a great rock protruding from the mountain base. It was evening, and the company was close now to the top of the rocky incline. They were nearly two hundred feet off the ground, and their limbs ached with strain. With a last burst of energy, Wildfin sprang over the last rock and stood, looking down over the ledge. Keyleth came up behind, throwing his pack up first before his large, brown, dirt-smitten hands whipped the edge and pulled himself over. Leaning over, Keyleth reached down his hands to help the others. At last, the six men stood on top of the ledge, dirty, weary to the point of exhaustion, ragged, parched, and starving but for now, alive. Here they rested through the hot afternoon and into the evening. On their right, the steep wall of stone shot up. Behind it, they knew, was the vertical shaft which they must take to continue their ascent up the mountain. <clears throat> it was dark in the mountains. A blackbird flew through the choking sky. The dark clouds concealed the surrounding land, and far below in the gloom six figures quietly ascended the stone shaft. Sweat poured down their backs, muscles strained. Wildfin, highest up above the rest, struggled. 
His tired feet pushed with all his strength, uh, strength against the far wall of the shaft, his back pressed against the other. Right foot up, more pressure on the left. Hands grope for traction on the wall. Push your body upwards. Panting, Wildthon stopped, attempting to rest. He looked to his right. Off in the distance, over the now ash-ridden plain, a glowing red and orange sun sat on the horizon, bathing the trees across the river in a dazzling light. The glowing yellow and purple filled the sky, and Wildthon could make out the distant glimmer of the river. This all happened in a single second, before the sun sank below the horizon, and the light disappeared, plunging the land into darkness. The hope left Wildthon, and he was once again caught dangerously between two rock walls three hundred feet off the ground. Wildthon! Keyleth called from far below. Gotta keep moving! With a surge of energy, Wildthon forced his body upwards, back pressed against the wall and feet against the other, below a two hundred foot drop. A cry rang out in the night. Tavan, struggling at the shaft, second from the bottom, but over a hundred feet up the chimney, felt himself slipping. He had used his energy, his reserve energy, and every, adre every adrenaline rush possible. He was finished. His body ached. He couldn't do this. He fell. Han looked up to see Tavan's body, body plummeting down the shaft toward him. No, 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 no! And then he too was falling. A final scream, a thud, and nothing. Keyleth had never felt a heavier silence. He was now second to the bottom. Keep moving, he urged Sandar above him. Don't look down. The four moved on. Far up in the mountain heights, Pan's last scream was still echoing, and it did not go unanswered. Out across the Xandar, the sun rose. It was red, blood red, as, as Wildthon struggled over the rim of the shaft. His limbs went limp, and he fell on his back in the dirt. His face was covered in dirt and blood, his clothes torn, hair knotted. Behind him, Sandar threw himself over the top, gasping for air. He fainted. Wildthon crawled in the dirt, spinning around and pulling Keyleth up behind him. Boone was somewhere down, his eyes half open, muscles straining. The three men lay in the dirt, four hundred feet off the ground. The morning mist had arrived, cooling their faces and obscuring their view. Then it passed, and all was hot again, the red sun beating upon them. Wildthon, being the only conscious of the three, reached into the only pack they had left. It was torn, with holes in it. Inside lay two water skins, one empty, the other less than a third full. Next to them were their food, the small bit of apples, the small bit of meat and some apples should have been, was a hole. A hole. Their food was gone, save for a single stale loaf of bread too large to fit through the hole. Wildthon peered over the edge of the shaft, looking down. Below, Boone was still struggling. He seemed to be almost gagging with exhaustion. He couldn't make it. Wildthon knew it, he, and he couldn't help him. Even if he did, they didn't have enough supplies for one man, let alone four. With tears in his eyes, Wildthon picked up a large stone from the small ro rocky ledge around him. He looked over the edge of the shaft and held out the rock. Boone looked up, blood, dirt, tears, and sweat on his face, his eyes red with strain. He gasped as if trying to speak. I'm sorry, Wildthon choked out in a half-whisper. The stone fell, 
and that was it. Two hours later, the three men were awake. They were broken, even Keyleth. They were not the same people, and they were dying. Their single goal was to make it over the summit before they died, to complete their mission, regardless of the fact that there was no one to give their report to. From the rocky ledge, they clawed their way on all fours of a short, steep slope. They had made it onto the ridge. Standing, they walked along a dirt path until they came to a rock that would lead them over the summit and give them their, fa their first glimpse, their first view of the Valley of Vinok, a sight never before seen by a living man. Were the rumors true? Was there some evil force in the valley? A great city? An army? Or was it just more barren wasteland? Keyleth's feet almost gave out from under him once more as, as he struggled over this final great rock. Ascending this rock felt like climbing the stair to heaven only to be faced with the sight of a plunge down into hell. He climbed the rock and stopped. Wilthin and Sandar came up behind him. They looked down. Their eyes grew wide. Their heartbeat quickened. Their breathing grew labored. Then, three short thrusts, and it was all over. Over a fortnight, after the registered disappearance of the ranger team sent into the Black Mountains, a scout from Calliopa had just crossed the plain of the Blackland and reached the Great Black Wall. Its black iron walls stretched up, wall, wall, stretched up for hundreds of feet above him. His horse grew restless and rayed, kicking, kicking at the dirt with his feet. But it wasn't the wall that disturbed him. In front of the wall, three pikes were driven into the ground. Upon each sat a rotting skull. The center one still had some skin and hair hanging off it. The scout recoiled, shivering in disgust as a cold sea breeze hit him, sending his cloak flapping in the wind. On the wall directly behind the head, several words had been painted in blood. They made it. Welcome home, travelers. <laughs>